Well, let's pray, and then you might get happier, okay? Lord, we love you. Thank you for the great day that you've given to us. Lord, right now I pray that uh, your presence would be felt in this room because I know that you're here. Uh, Lord, your word is tremendous. It's powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It can go straight to our heart. Give us what we need. Tell us what you want us to hear. And I pray that it would do that this morning. Uh, Lord, speak through me, just this human vessel. I pray that uh, as I speak on the outside, you, dear Lord, would speak on the inside to our hearts. Make us into the people that you want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, church, listen to me. The, the message of the Bible is that our Christian faith cannot be compartmentalized. And there are so many of us who try to do that. We try to put Jesus in a box. We try to put Christianity in just one location in our heart, and then there's all these other compartments of, of work or school or play or the way we act out on the golf course or wherever else. But the Bible says you can't do that. The Christian faith cannot be relegated to church or just to Sunday mornings. The Christian life has to kick in on Monday and Tuesday and every single day of the week. It's got to work in a demonstrable way no matter where we are. Whether we are at work or school or on the baseball field or basketball court or the golf course or yes, even at home. In America, today there is a disconnect for a whole lot of people. A disconnect between their belief in God and then their everyday values and words and actions. A whole lot of people that I see and know who call themselves Christians say one thing on Sunday and then they live a totally different way the rest of the week. And, and can I just say, if that aggravates me, I wonder what it does to God. Honestly. Guys, listen to me. The core teaching of the Bible is that our faith should be pervasive. That is, it should radiate into every single area of our lives. So let me start today by showing you a simple phrase that occurs numerous times in the Bible. What I want to do is read several verses, both in the Old Testament and New Testament, in a number of different translations. And then we're going to focus on three verses in the New Testament. So listen to these passages and notice how all-inclusive the Christian faith should be in our everyday life. Are you ready? All right, here we go. Deuteronomy 28, verse 1 and 6. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all His commands that I am giving you today, wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be blessed. Now, I'd like that blessing, wouldn't you? All right. So wherever we go, whatever we do, we need to do it for the Lord. Joshua 1.8 This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to recite it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Proverbs 16.3 Commit to the Lord... 
Whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. That's a great promise, is it not? Proverbs 4.26, plan carefully what you do, and whatever you do will turn out right. What about this one, Ecclesiastes 9.10? Work hard at whatever you do. Or what about 3 John verse 5? Do faithfully whatever you do. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ that you are serving. Colossians 3.17, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. What about Ecclesiastes 11.9? Remember that God is going to judge you for whatever you do. <laughs> wow. 1 Corinthians 10.31, so whether you eat or drink or Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. This is amazing. The Bible says over and over again, whatever you do, whatever you do, whatever you do. I'm a graduate both of Bible college and seminary. I've studied both Greek and Hebrew. Let me tell you exactly what whatever you do means. You ready? Whatever you do means literally... Whatever you do, I mean, that's it. The life of faith is not confined to one hour on Sunday morning. Guys, do you hear me? The Christian life is not confined just to sitting in this room on Sunday mornings. It isn't merely a verbal or intellectual or passive faith. It is pervasive. That is, it radiates through whatever we do. Wherever we are, and whatever we do. Now, let's just take three of these verses that we've read and apply them with an emphasis on a total faith life. The Apostle Paul used that phrase, whatever you do, on three occasions, and two of them are found in the same chapter, Colossians chapter 3. So, are you ready for number one? Whatever you do, do it thankfully. Colossians 3.17 and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So, listen very carefully. Whatever you do, whether it is a word that we say or whether it's some action that we undertake, we are to do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to do it as Christ's ambassador, as though Christ Himself were doing it. We are to do it as a Christian. Because that's who we are. So it's whatever we do, wherever we are, we are to live the Christian life. And whatever we do, whether it's words that we speak with our mouth or actions that we do with our hands, we are to do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Because we're living for Him. Church, wake up, man. We are different than the world. And you cannot go about your daily life, Monday through Friday, acting like everybody else in your office that is unsaved. 
You can't talk like they talk. You can't act like they act because you're not an unbeliever. You're a Christian. And the Christian life is for seven days a week and whatever you do, you're to act like a Christian. But can we just get that concept? We are different. Not in, a, not in a bad sense. We're different in a God sense. And if the world cannot detect that difference in your life, then, my friend, you've got a problem. So, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, you do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So, as we speak that word, or as we perform that task, we are to do it with thanksgiving in our heart. Now, isn't it easy to be negative? I think we're, we're just kind of, that's ingrown inside of us. It's, it's inborn. We, sometimes we, the world is negative. You, you can wake up in the morning and be in a bad mood right off the, you know, just by listening to the radio or watching the news. There is so much negativity in our world, it easily rubs off and transfers over to us but the Bible says as Christians, we are to be different in whatever we do. We are to do it with thanksgiving in our hearts. Now, you know, I know life is tough. And it, all, it doesn't always go the way we want it to go, right? And we are going to have problems, right? But you know what? Even in the midst of problems and difficulties, we can be thankful. Reminds me of the little boy who was asked by his father to say grace at the table. And while the rest of the family waited patiently, this little guy eyed every dish that his mother had prepared. And after this close examination, he bowed his head and in honesty prayed, Lord, I don't like the looks of it. But I thank you for it. And I'll eat it anyway. <laughs> Amen. Sometimes I don't like the looks of things. Sometimes I don't like the, the curveballs that are thrown to me. Sometimes I, you know, I just don't like life. But, but no matter what happens, you know what? I can find something to give thanks about. It's an attitude of heart. I can find something, even in a bad situation, to thank God for. Bible commentator Matthew Henry, after being robbed, okay, he was robbed, wrote this in his diary the same day. He said, let me be thankful. Wait, the guy just got robbed. Let me be thankful first because I was never robbed before. Second, because although they took my wallet, they did not take my life. Third, because although they took my all, it wasn't much. And number four, because it was I who was robbed and not I who robbed. Wow. Guys, listen. Thanksgiving transforms every word, every deed, every day into something special. It reminds me of something I read a long time ago. We need to have an attitude of gratitude. And you can. You know what it takes? It takes a mindset. I'm, I'm going to look for something to be thankful for. So, you know what? In whatever I do, whether it's in word or whether it's in deed, I'm doing it for the Lord Jesus Christ 
And as I do it for the Lord Jesus Christ, I am going to give thanks to God. That's what real faith is. It's being fleshed out. Whatever you do, number one, do it thankfully. Number two, whatever you do, do it with all your heart. Do it wholeheartedly. Colossians 3, verse 23. Here's what Paul said. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. The remarkable thing about this passage is that it was addressed originally to those in the Roman Empire who were slaves. You see, this is the section of Colossians where the Apostle Paul is giving instructions to various groups within the church. For example, in verse 18, he talks to wives. Listen up, ladies. He says, wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Come on, guys. I just threw that one up for you. Oh, okay, whatever. Verse 19, husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter to, towards them. Right, ladies? Oh boy. Verse 20. Verse 20. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well pleasing to the Lord. Right, parents? <laughs> it takes y'all a while, but y'all get going after a little bit. Verse 21. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Right, kids? Okay. I need to, I just need to start teaching uh, class 101 on saying amen on Wednesday nights, all right? Then in verse 22, he talks to slaves, or as it appears in the New King James, bond servants. Then in chapter 4, verse 1, he talks to the masters or the owners of these slaves. Okay? What's interesting to me is that in all these other verses, verse 18, one verse to the wives. Verse 19, one verse to the husbands. Verse 20, one verse to the kids. Verse 21, one verse to the fathers. But then in verse 22, he spends a whole paragraph talking to these slaves. And notice what he says to the slaves. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but do it with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, Work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Jesus Christ you are serving. Now, the Romans practiced slavery and widespread segments of the population were in bondage to slavery. But here's what the Apostle Paul is saying to all of these slaves. Even if you're a slave, you need to do your daily work with enthusiasm. Do it the best you can. Do it for the Lord, not for your earthly master. You do it for God. You work for the Lord. And guess what? God will reward you with a rich inheritance. Church, listen. This is a phenomenal message. A message that we all need to hear and heed. Because in one way or another, 
We all work for the man. We all serve somebody. And the message here is this. Whatever you find yourself doing, you do it with all your heart. Whatever the task is before you, you pour your heart into it. You do it with enthusiasm. So, here's what it means practically. If you're a student, you be the best student you can be. If you're a homemaker, you be the absolute best homemaker that you can be. If you're a factory worker or a white-collar worker or a sales representative or a Sunday school teacher or a nursery worker or a professional athlete, whatever you do, you do it with enthusiasm. You do it wholeheartedly and you do it for the Lord. You're not doing it for other people. For it is the Lord Jesus Christ you are serving. And from Him, and only from Him, are you going to receive an eternal inheritance. That is amazing. But you know what? I know what you're thinking. You're sitting there thinking, saying, Oh, preacher, I, you don't understand. I hate my job. I hate getting up on Monday mornings and going to work. How can I be enthusiastic at a job that I don't like doing? How can I give it 100% when I'm looking around the room and there ain't nobody in this building giving it 50%? I don't feel like it. You know, really, it's a sad commentary on life, but that's, that's what it's come down to in our generation. I just don't feel like it today. I'm sorry, boss. I just I just don't feel like it today. It was a hard weekend. I can't give you 100%. I'm sorry, but I just don't feel like it. Can I tell you something? There are some days I don't feel like acting like a Christian. Why, Pastor Farnley? Come on, get real. Let's get real. There are some days you don't feel like it, right? But it doesn't matter if we feel like it or not. That's what we're called to be. So whether I feel like it or not, doesn't matter. I have to act like it. So how do you get enthusiastic about something you don't want to do? How can you be enthusiastic about a job that you hate? Well, let, let me give you some inspiration from, from a former president. And I say former president. What? <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, that got me in trouble, didn't it? Uh, one of my favorite presidents of history was Teddy Roosevelt, the Rough Rider. And it, it was great. Every, it seems like everything... Mr. Roosevelt did was filled with enthusiasm and courage. I mean, the guy was just spectacular. And I wonder, where did that come from? Well, Roosevelt grew up as a sickly and awkward little boy who suffered terribly from asthma. Uh, he didn't get to go out and play a lot. He had to stay indoors. And as a result, he read books. And there was one particular book that he read that made a deep impression on him. 
in that passage of the book, uh, there was a captain of some small British man-of-war ship who explained to one of his sailors how to acquire the quality of strength and fearlessness. In this story that Teddy Roosevelt read, the captain said that at the outset, almost every man is frightened when he goes into war and into action. But, and now I quote, the course to follow is for the man to keep such a grip on himself that he can act just as if he were not frightened. After keeping this up long enough, it changes from pretense to reality. And the man does indeed become fearless by sheer dint of practicing fearlessness when he does not feel it. Roosevelt said, This is the theory upon which I went. There were all kinds of things which I was afraid of at first, ranging from grizzly bears, okay, to mean horses, to gunfighters, but by acting as if I was not afraid, I gradually ceased to be afraid. And I think the same theory holds true with enthusiasm. Because it is a faith action for Jesus Christ. Listen to me. The Bible says that if we are living in the will of God, if you are born again and you're living for God and you are in God's will, then you should undertake every act, every aspect of work in whatever you do, doing it with all your heart, wholeheartedly with enthusiasm for Jesus Christ. We should do it enthusiastically. And so by faith we plunge into our work. We work hard. We work faithfully. We work enthusiastically. And we work for the Lord Jesus Christ. And then from the Lord comes the strength and the enthusiasm and the fearlessness plus the reward. So if you don't feel like being enthusiastic, you need to start acting enthusiastic. You just do it, man. And as you do it, that enthusiasm is going to come because God will bless you with it. Now, here are two qualities, enthusiasm and thanksgiving, that are the most powerful psychological and spiritual attitudes known to mankind. Let me tell you, enthusiasm and thanksgiving can alter any personality. It can improve any life. These two qualities can transform any home. Again, I'm telling you, if you don't feel like it, big deal. Big deal. You start acting. You start fleshing it out. You be thankful. You be enthusiastic. It'll change your life. It'll change the place you work, and it'll change your home. I told the first service a story that I just thought of when I was preaching this, and I guess I'll share it with you too. You, you want to hear everything they get to hear, don't you? It, it kind of reminds me of the, the same quality here that Roosevelt talked about. There was a, there was a man uh, married to a woman, and uh, they grew apart through the years, and they finally ended up hating each other, couldn't stand the other person, and both of them wanted to divorce. And... You know, they, they, they just didn't want to divorce. They wanted to hurt each other. So the man goes to his um, attorney, 
who just happened to be a Christian, which is, of course, an oxymoron. Anyway, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Y'all were getting way too serious, all right? But this attorney was a believer. And, and so he, he started talking to the man. He says, okay, you, you, really, you really want to hurt her bad. Here's how you do it. You go home, and for the next eight weeks, you treat this woman like she was the queen of your life. You bring her breakfast in bed. You send her flowers at work. You open the door for her. You hold her hand. You put your arm around her. You kiss her cheek. You kiss her lips. You love on her. You just treat her like she was God's gift to the world and to you. And what's going to happen, he said, is she's going to fall back in love with you because you're treating her so good. And after all this gets juicy and she falls back in love with you, you come back and see me. We'll write up this divorce, those divorce papers. I'll send them to her and it is going to break her heart. You are going to hurt her business. God said, man, that sounds good to me. So he went home and he did exactly what this attorney told him to do. He started treating this woman like she was the Queen of Sheba. He loved on her and gave her all these things, treated her so good. Two months later, he called his attorney and said, you just tear up those papers. Life's never been this good. I love. You know what happened? He started fleshing it out. He started acting upon the way he knew he should feel towards her in the first place, and he fell back in love with her. So if you're not enthusiastic and you're not thankful for your work and your labor in life, then you know what? You just need to start acting that way. And God will bless you. There's a third time that Paul uses this phrase, whatever you do, and it's found in 1 Corinthians 10.31. He says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, you would do it all for the glory of God. So whatever you do, you should do it worshipfully. Whatever we do, we should do it for the glory of God. Really, all of life is an act of worship. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, that's what you're like. It's a living sacrifice to Him. It is to be lived for His honor and His glory. And even the smallest things we do every day, like eating a snack or having a drink at the water fountain, sitting down for supper, whatever we do, it should be done for the glory of God. All of our life should be a doxology to Him. That means that when you wake up in the morning, you should say, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Lord, I want to live my life today to bring praise, honor, and glory to You. When we shower and dress, we do it so that we can be presentable for service in the Lord's army. We eat and we drink asking God to bless the food for the nourishment of our bodies and our bodies for His service. As we go about our housework or our office work, whether it's at the factory or at the school, we understand that we are His ambassadors. Our exercise and entertainment also has a purpose, that we might remain healthy and happy in our service for Him. And then when we crawl into bed at night, it's another day finished for Jesus, and we fall asleep praising Him, that His mercy and His goodness 
follows us all the days of our life. Worship is a lifestyle. And every moment and every movement is for Him. This is, in Charles Spurgeon's phrase, the art of holy and happy living. Church, listen, our faith, if it is real, must be a pervasive faith. It must radiate in everything that we do. Jesus Christ should be the Lord of every day, of every moment, of every word, of every activity. And how does that happen? Well, in a very practical way, it happens right here today when we come to the altar and we present our bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service. And we are not to be conformed to this world, but we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So whatever we do, wherever we are, we are to live our lives with thanksgiving. We are to give it 100% because we're not serving man, we're serving God. And whatever we do should be done for the glory and the praise of God. Boy, I, I wish I could just crack this open and it would pour out on all of us. I wish I could say it in a way that is so real and pertinent that, that we, we get it. Guys, listen to me. The Christian life is not just about this one hour we spend in this room. It's about what we do the rest of the week out there. We were talking in the truck yesterday about, about what could change this world. In fact, last Sunday I preached that message on what we can do to change our world. Our, our world needs to be changed. The only way I know that it can be changed is when you and I start behaving like we say we believe. And when we take Christianity out of this church and we wear it in real shoe leather out on the streets and in the office and in the school and everywhere we go, that we take Jesus with us. And whatever we do, we do it for Him. And the world sees that. They know that. And it touches and transforms their life. So Lord Jesus, I pray this morning that that your Holy Spirit would speak this message into our hearts and, and that we would get it, that we would realize that as a believer in Jesus Christ, we are to be different, that we are to live different. The world is to see a difference in us. And so, Lord, whatever we do, we are to do it thankfully and wholeheartedly and giving glory to you. Lord, my prayer today is for that person who is here that has never given their heart to you, May they come today and return.